All right, we're live. Welcome to another edition of Less Rage Cougs, brought to you by the Lazarus Law Firm. We're talking about a win, a Cougs win in overtime, 25-24. It wasn't pretty, but that's okay. A win is a win. I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar View, and with me is Deion Dunlap and Andy Yanez. We're in different locations. We're going to have some fun in these 30 minutes talking about the Cougs. Join us. right back. It's time for the original Houston post-game show. Uh, let's rage cool. Let's get right, right into it. Dan, your thoughts on the win, man. I mean, what a win. What a win. Um, defense came through in spots. Offense came through when it needed to the most. And so, what a win. That's just my initial reaction. What a win. Take care of business. Could have easily gave it away after that fourth and long conversion. But the resilience of the group found a way to win. Andy, your thoughts? Resilience. First and foremost, Chris, I think this is just another time where we tout the technology. Like you mentioned, we're on different locations uh, doing different things, and we're still here doing the post-game show. Uh, but what, what Dayon said, the resilience of this team, the mental fortitude, I think that's really what stood out about the Houston Cougars football team uh, because it was deflating. The, the entire game, it seemed like Houston was dominating, especially, especially the defense. I mean, give credit to the defense for, once again, three quarters and about – four-fifths of the fourth quarter. Um, they played phenomenal. You couldn't have asked them to play any better, and it's those last five minutes, literally the last five minutes of the game, where they're on... Really, it was key plays. The fourth and 17 was a backbreaker that led to the time that eventually led to Baylor to tie and force overtime. Um, but to shake that off, allow Baylor to score in the, in the first possession of overtime and still on top of that, a penalty that started them at the 40-yard line instead of the 25-yard line, and to find a way to score, that's really, you, you got to highlight Donovan Smith and the entire offense for the mental fortitude. Um, after they themselves had struggled for most of the game, because even though the defense did a good job of holding Bander, they had, for the most part, only managed to put up 10 points before that fourth quarter. It's a win. You know, and I'm curious to hear what the fans think about it. I mean, the first reaction, you know, from Bobby Roy, Go Cougs, baby. Greg, 32. It was looking like WVU all over again. But let me say this. This is a side note. After Baylor's, well, not after, since Baylor scored the touchdown in overtime, they have not changed the stats. So according to the stat broadcast, Baylor won 24-17. It has not been updated. I kept waiting for the stats to update and update and update while I'm watching the game on my phone, and it never did. It's just an update. So we know the Cougs won on a two-point conversion by Donovan Smith. And kudos to the offensive play call. But Baylor, Bailey, show why y'all are a bad football team, too. The Cougs showed what they were going to do, spread them out. Baylor called timeout. Cougs still went back to the same formation. And Baylor just left Donovan Smith uncovered. And Donovan was like, okay, let me just stroll right on through the end zone for the win. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> So, hey, a win is a win. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, before, before I give my thoughts, I want to say those who just coming in, welcome to Let's Pray School, presented by the Lazman Law Firm. Dan Lazman founded the Lazman Law Firm to provide legal representation for individuals who have been injured or arrested in the greater Houston area. Dan Lazman understands that bad things sometimes happen to good people. Worse, false allegations are made every day. With offices in Houston and Sugarland, Dan is equipped to handle your legal needs in Harris County and surrounding counties, including Fort Bend County, Texas. If you have been injured or find yourself in any legal Legal trouble, call Lasman Law Firm at 281-720-8551 or visit Dan online at www.lasmanlawfirm.com for, for um, consultation. Thank you. And also for our second day sponsor today, Star Pizza with multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop before and after the game. But yeah, man, that defense, like Andy said, for most of the game, they play really well. Nelson Caesar looks like a player that will be playing on Sundays. Yeah, he was phenomenal, man. He, he he was really really everywhere, and really they just made timely plays. Uh, also, AJ Halsey, he makes so many open field tackles, touchdown saving tackles. I, I definitely want to give him his flowers as well. But for Houston to to turn around, I think um, Sam Brown had a really big game and. Um, Mathis came up big today, but Donovan Smith, I think he he was a difference. His poise, he did throw an interception, but he bounced back, and his resilience, I think, helped propel Houston um, overall. And I I think this is correct. Rex is asking us this question: Are we, as in the Cougs, the only newcomer with two wins against the original eight? I would think yep. so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but Cincinnati yep. didn't have any wins. Cincinnati and UCF had not won a Big Twelve game. Yeah, period. <laughs> Heading into their matchup today, which I'm curious, did UCF hang on a winner? Who, who come out victorious in that game? I have to check and see, but I mean BYU. I know they didn't. They don't have two wins over the original eight. I, I feel confident in saying that. But hey, it wasn't pretty. I'm curious to, to hear the thoughts, see the thoughts of the fans who were like, "If the Cougs lose today, does this mean Dana's in trouble?" Well, the Cougs won, so. <laughs> They got their second win in the Big 12. They got three games left. Homecoming is, is next Saturday against yeah, the UCF Bears. went on to win. So that's a, win, a game the Cougs could win. Home games, homecoming. Dan, Andy, everybody watching, you're supposed to win homecoming. Okay? <laughs> they do that. That's third win right there. They're getting closer and closer to being bowl eligible. And then just go from there. I actually think they have a chance to win out outside of – I think their Oklahoma State team is a team that after seeing their last couple of games, I think they're, they're a really talented team, especially with their running back that they have. And so I think that's going to be a huge challenge. But really just for today's game, we just want to give them credit for being able to finish on the road because it's so many times we see them give up a big play and lay down and not finish the fight. I mean, we have to give them credit for finishing the fight and actually coming through on the offensive end. I mean, the defense gave up a touchdown to OT, but the offense had a chance, like Andy said, started OT at the 40-yard line. Sam Brown made a, a big play to get the drive going, and they was able to punch it in. So I just want to give kudos to the team for being able to stick it out and pull it out. A shorthanded offense as well. No Joseph yeah, Mandek. for sure. goes and gets carted off. Uh, first few minutes of the game. So again, I think this this is just one of those games where you you really got to see if there's anything. And 
for all the struggles for all the frustration when it comes to the inconsistency of the Houston Cougars football team, I think the one thing they, that they really deserve credit is, again, the mental toughness that they've showed, especially since Big 12 play started, even going back to that Rice loss, um, which is something, kudos, they, they, they haven't allowed themselves to be broken mentally, um, especially after some of these losses, especially after last week after getting shut out 41 nothing against Kansas State. Great, uh, great bounce back. A salute to the players. And, you know, Coach Hogerson has tossed a few under the bus, but the players that are still here, they responded. They refused to lose. They found a way to win. I'm very critical of them, very critical of Coach Hogerson, but they found a way to win. But y'all tell me this. I did not see the fourth and 17 scramble. I was in my car headed to the Rockets game. So please describe to me what the hell happened on that play. Fourth and 18, um, I think it looked like they ran man coverage and had good coverage on the receivers. Uh, and D-line was able to get a push, and he really was able to step up. And the defense just swarming one way. He's able to run across the field and, and get the uh, first down. I mean, I really kind of give, in my opinion, give credit to the quarterback because it was good coverage. He just had no choice but to pull it down and run for the first down. So kudos to him. But in regards to Houston side, I mean, you can't allow that to happen. It looked like, from my perspective, that the once the quarterback got into uh, the secondary level and he was kind of greeted by a couple of Houston's defensive backs, they were kind of – I feel like they were shocked that he was attempting to scramble and that there was a, just a, a fraction of a second of hesitation, and that's all it, it really needed for uh, the quarterback, Blake, from Baylor to be able to – make that big play and again that 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 was a backbreaker <laughs> you get them on fourth and 17 the kind of reminder of last year when they had texas tech in that same situation or a similar situation on fourth and 20 and donovan smith the quarterback at the time for the red raiders converted um but yeah like Dion said i give kudos but tip, tip, uh, tip your cap to him for making that play but that's something that in film going forward <laughs> Got to gotta be able to find a way to make the stop. Some, some, that just comes down to execution. The player's got to be able to come up and make the tackle 17 yards before he's able to get that first down. Yep. And I'm not sure. The Cougs won. T.I., you know, his comment is underwhelming. What the Cougs showed me today is, is they're better than Baylor. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure. I think the Cougs are better than Cincinnati. Again, it's a homecoming game. The Cougs should win next Saturday. Bearcats have yet to win in Big 12 play. I don't believe the Cougs are better than Oklahoma State, but I do believe the Cougs are better than UCF. But that's a road game, if I'm not you know, mistaken. And a very tough place to play. Yes, tough place to play. So, you know, the Cougs could finish, what, four and five in Big 12 play. They have a very good chance of finishing at least six and six. That's going to a bowl. That's what Chris Pesman said he wanted them to do is be competitive and get to a bowl game. And that's one thing they've did. Oh, sorry, Chris. No, no, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. I, I was just going to just add to your point. To his, to his 
um, standards and what he wanted to see. They have been competitive pretty much in all Big 12 games except the K-State game. And um, he was able to see what K-State was able to do on the road at Texas and fighting back. So that is a really good K-State team. Still no excuses for Houston to get blew out the way they did. But to their credit, they have been competitive in all Big 12 games. And I think they will be able to compete in the rest of their schedule. Um probably outside of the Oklahoma State where they probably may not be favored. But the team has been competing and they're showing that they are better than the likes of the Baylor and some of the other bottom teams this year in regards to the Big 12. Andy, what say you? Very, I, I was going to say, I think it's going to be very interesting this last month when they do play UCF and Cincinnati um, because if there is one silver lining to be had of the season is – at least right now, before they have the head-to-head matchups, it looks like they're in a much better position than um, all those other programs, but certainly more than UCF and Cincinnati when it comes to making that transition into the Big 12. Um, and to add on to Dan's point about how competitive, for the most part, with the exception of the second half against TCU Tech and then, of course, last week against Kansas State, um, it, it, it hasn't seemed like there is just a completely different level when it comes to um, when it comes to talent, but when it comes to being able to, to compete with them, at least in stretches, as we've seen early on in the season. So again, if you're looking at silver linings, if they are able to reach a goal, now standing at four and five, they only need to go two and one with, again, two of those three games being against former American Athletic Conference opponents. There's a lot more positive momentum after a a really roller coaster of the season that that it has been, and again, testament that the players have been able to cast aside some of these very deflating losses. And I, I, the Cougs won, everyone. If you're tuning in late, this just of less rage. Cougs brought to you by the Lazarine Law Firm. The Cougs are now four and five. ESPN has the Cougs three and six, and lost today. The Baylor stat still has Baylor winning 24-17. They haven't changed it yet. I don't know if they turned off their system. <laughs> it's, uh, it's updated on my screen, Chris. Before a while, when you first said it, it was I was seeing well, it. Well, on so, Baylor or the stat broadcast? Uh, on this on the ESPN. Oh, they were doing well, exactly. I, I'm, checking, I'm checking the standings right now. I just checked okay, the, okay, on okay, the standings. Okay, so, okay, yeah, because okay. I wanted to be sure of everybody else's record. <laughs> so, okay. But we know they won. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. I don't know if they're getting the feed from Baylor's feed which has yet to be updated. But, I mean, hey, I mean, y'all got a job to do. The first score in OT does not mean the game's over in college football. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on in, in Waco, but we saw Donovan Smith convert, get the two-point conversion for the 25-24 Houston win. <laughs> That's the bottom line. I don't know. <laughs> Strange, man. This is really weird. Yeah, and to Andy's last point, the team has looked like they belong in the Big 12. I mean, outside of a few – quarters they haven't played full full quarters but just objectively watching the team you could tell it's, it's not a gap in regards to talent and what you've seen uh, Houston not looking like like they belong in the Big 12 and so I mean just calling how it is they have looked that way I think to take that next step to be a consistent contender um, there are a few things that has to be that could be done but other than that the team they have the talent, and they, I think, just looking at the rest of the schedule like we've been talking about, they can win those games. I think Oklahoma State is a, will be a huge challenge. And always winning on the road is a challenge as well. Andy? Uh, let's talk about 
I want to talk about the defense real quick. Um, outside again of those last five minutes, and even that that first drive in overtime. Again, they had a very strong performance, and we mentioned Nelson Caesar. He had correct me if I'm wrong, because he had two and a half sacks. I think that's his official um, sack total for this game against the Bears. Yeah, give credit to Malik Robinson who came away with that interception. That was pretty much that. That was a big interception. Could have sealed the game if the offense was able to pick up a couple more first downs, and they wouldn't have even been in a position to go to overtime. And you know, the one player that has really stepped up over the course of the last few weeks and really strung together some highlight real plays is up front. Chidozian Walkwell, who's just, it seems like week in and week out, he has one play where he just leaves your eyes wide open in terms of the tackle that he's able to come up and make um, and really the havoc that he's wrecking for opposing offensive lines. Like the defensive line for Houston overall has been phenomenal and they've just continued to improve week in and week out. And we saw it again today against the Bears. Yeah, I agree. I think they accepted it's a challenge when they've kept hearing um, even Coach Hogerson and people kind of challenge them in regards to maybe not having the depth or not being able to finish games. And ever since then, they've been dominating the line of scrimmage and holding up really well. Another player on that defense who played really well was Antonio Brooks. He's been playing like Sal going sideline to sideline, making a lot of tackles, as well as, um, <clears throat> excuse me, as well as Traylon Payne. Both of those linebackers have been playing really well. And the front seven has been playing um, intact. I think the D-line has been doing a good job of taking on blocks and winning in obvious passing situations to get pressure on the quarterback. And so, I mean, defense got to give them total credit. Doug Belk has been doing a good job, in my opinion, all year of making adjustments. Team hasn't always executed, but they've been almost in the right place in the right time a lot. I'm just going back to it. I think the Cougs are better than Baylor, UCF, Cincinnati. They're not on the Oak State, K-State tier yet. They're somewhere in the middle. We'll see where they are with the new additions next season. They're, I'm not sure. The performance against Oklahoma State, it's a road game in the conference. Got to be a better performance than they did last Saturday against K-State because if it's another, another struggle, then I'm, I have concerns about how much of a gap there is between Houston and the top-tier teams in the conference going forward. I think the Cougs are better than Baylor. I think the Cougs, Baylor is going to be looking for a new head coach at the end of this season. Oh, I agree. Uh, I think the Cougs this year are better than Cincinnati and UCF. Going forward, we'll see. But Big 12 going forward is a question mark overall outside of what we think K-State should be. With They have a solid foundation of a program. Oklahoma State could be getting back to that level. We'll see where the Cougs are compared to everybody else in the conference. Yeah, I think I, I, that's a fair assessment. I mean, just if you want to look, kind of look forward, see a look in the future, I think Utah's another team who has a solid foundation as a program right there with Kansas State. And so, but I think Houston is building it. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, I like where they are. Donovan Smith returns. You keep him at quarterback and some other other core players return. You add, you know you're going to lose Paul with that left tackle. So you're going to have to reload the up line. But, I mean, I, I like the where they sit in regards to being able to compete, kind of look forward for the next uh, year in the Big 12. 
Got to upgrade the, the right side. Of, right tackle. Got to upgrade the right tackle. Yeah. Got to. Chris, you you took <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. I said, um, and it's unfortunate. A lot of stuff too. It's just frustrating um, when it comes to penalties that have been an issue going back to last season. But in particular, just that right side in general, we've seen oftentimes even going back to going back to last week, the past two weeks against Kansas State and Texas, where. Those opposing defensive lines, to be honest, they, they manhandle our offensive line. It's been a big struggle for the Houston Cougars. They've had moments. I mean, I saw Jack Freeman get manhandled once. Was in the third quarter, got blown up, pushed back. But that happens sometimes, you know. But the right side of the line is in need of an upgrade. And losing Pat Ball to the draft. Starts up front. O-line, if you have a good O-line and a good D-line, you're in good shape. Who's O-line going forward next season is a question mark. Yeah, but Donovan Smith is the bright spot, I think. I think he is the bright spot. I mean, like, I agree with everything you said, though, Chris. But Donovan Smith is the bright spot. He comes back. I think a second year in his system, he's already shown to be getting comfortable and more confident in game by game in his system. And does it eliminate some of those turnovers? Um, his dual threat can do it on the ground and through the air. And you see all the receivers. I mean, who knows if Sam Brown's returns. I think he'll have some draft stocks to see what he do next year. But uh, Donovan Smith comes back. But I, I agree with Chris wholeheartedly. you got to be able to protect him and eventually get the run game. I mean, you yeah, brought in a new run game coordinator, offensive line coach, <laughs> and it's, uh, I haven't seen the difference. We forgot to mention this. It happened twice today, fellas. The tush push, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, man. Finally. You're right about that, Chris. None, none of that shotgun. You know, I mean, we've been asked for it all year. Why y'all going with shotgun on, on right. third, fourth, and short? They finally did that. So, hey, maybe they're watching this show. I don't know. For whatever reason, it worked. The tush push worked in those situations. Donovan Smith, 6'5", 240. He gets that, that half yard. So, hey, you know, Miles Coleman. As Rex finally the QB sneak. Yep. The brotherly shove. Now it sounds like you're an Eagles fan. So I'll let you on here anyway. But anyhow, but hey. Uh, Dayon is in, is, where are you? Missouri? Yep, yep. Andy's on location, and I'm at Toyota Center for the Rockets Kings game. So technology is bringing you this edition of Less Rage Cougs, brought to you by the Lazarine Law Firm. Talk about a Cougs win, 25-24 in overtime. Any thoughts on this? On Brandon Campbell? No, it's surprising. Oh, go ahead, Andy. Sorry, sorry, Andy, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's an unfortunate situation because of the talent that he showcased, especially last season. I'm after all some caps going down. But kind of, I'm curious to see, Dan, where you were going to go with it. But the Rockets PA guys going uh Roddy, but I was going to say it's kind of unfortunate because, again, of the, the flash that he showcased the season ago whenever Alton Casco went down. Um, but today, on, I'm curious to see what your point was about to be, but not surprising because we saw his role dwindle and dwindle, and we hadn't seen him for weeks now. Um, and part of it had to do with injury, but wish him the best in the future endeavors, and Houston's got to find a way to, to fill that void.
You know, I was going to go right where you went, Andy. I, I think we saw the talent level that he displayed even last year and when he was inserted. And so I was high on him coming in, into this season. and But for whatever reason, um, he hasn't been able to sustain a, a consistent amount of carries. And although he's still a relatively young player from Houston, and I don't know if the, you, you, bring, you lose Allison McCaskill, then you bring in – a uh, running back with the experience who actually got his first running touchdown, Tony Mathis Jr. But I think bringing him in just made it even another player to divide the carries between the emergence of Parker Jenkins. But still, I mean, like Andy said, we just haven't seen Brendan Campbell carry the ball. And so for any young player, if you, you want to play, you want the opportunity to be able to play. And there was a time during this season where Coach Hogerson, in my opinion, threw him under the bus and alluded to uh, I think it was a fourth and one. They handed the ball off to him in one of those shotgun situations you're referring to, and he said that it was blocked up, and he didn't. He didn't. Um, he did, it was it was on him to get the first down, and so who knows if that plays into a factor. But I definitely, like Eddie said, I mean, wish him best of wishes in all his future endeavors. He, he definitely has the talent. Real quickly, down as we uh, drop Chris for for a moment, as we begin to wrap things up here on Let's Rage Coos. What are your thoughts on the decision and overtime of Dana Hogerson to go for two and go for the win, not even, you know, not even consider taking the PAT and possibly extending the game in double overtime? I like the, I like the call. I like it. I like the aggressiveness. Um, saw something that we lined up in that formation and you have to respect the receivers on the outside, so you have to recover them because if not, you have numbers on the outside, a quick throw, and it'd be three on two on either side. And so I like the call. Um, you had to favor numbers on the inside with Donovan Smith, his size, and the way he's been able to run the ball all game. And so you get a double team inside. I like the aggressive call, and I like the the assertiveness. It, it was seemed like no second thought. We're going for this. And so that confidence probably – um, way down on the team, they were able to come out and execute. So I, I love that call. You don't want to put it back, put your. I mean, not that you you don't have confidence in your defense, but if you got the opportunity to end it right there inside the five yard line, and you're confident in in the call, I like it. I like it. Definitely, kind of a Ben Hogerson to the local radio on KPRC 950 after the game. He said the post game interview. Jeremy Branham said that that is what they were going to do against Texas. That was the plan, go for two. And he said, had he been in Baylor's shoes uh, at the end of regulation when they scored that touchdown, they would have gone for two themselves and possibly, you know, won the game that way. And uh, the aggressive, the, the, it always seems like the aggressors tend to be rewarded for their aggressiveness and not – you know, not playing the game timid, and and in this case, it was came out to the benefit of the Houston Cougars, and you know, they come away with a 25-24 win, especially after a defense that a strong performance they had for most of the night. It seemed like they were starting to get gassed, and you know, they didn't even have to worry about it. They had done enough. The offense was able to to carry their share of load at the end, and and come away with the victory. Yep. Yeah, I agree for sure. But to the question that Miles just posed to us, uh, if I don't know, man, I think if they would have lost today, that would have made the seat even hotter. And then, like me and Miles discussed offline, 
if um, if they would have lost the game against Cincinnati. So I, I think it's, the, it's still to be determined. Depends on how they finish this season. I think next week against Cincinnati at home is a must win against a team who, who hasn't won a Big 12 game yet. So I think that's a must win. And then how do you finish out the season? I mean, are you competitive? Is it close losses? Is it blowout losses? So I think it's still to be determined. Still to be determined. But I, I think the way contra- contractual um, his contract is set up, I do think he'll be back regardless of how he finishes. But who knows? I think he 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 still has to be the team has to be competitive, game in game out to finish the year. I agree. I think um, to answer his question directly, I would feel that he's done enough for this season, and the simple reason one well. If you look at it from a logical reason, day on your point about the financial side, that's the biggest reason. But I'm going back to the team in and of itself. They haven't given up on him. They are committed, and they, they again, they're able to brush off some of these devastating losses, and they're showing their mental toughness, their mental fortitude, and I think that in and of itself is enough to go along with the financial reasons. They're 4-5 and five currently. Um Obviously, they still have three games left to play, but I think that they're in a good spot to have year six of Dana Holgerson. For sure. And for those of you just not joining us, we want to let you know that this Let's Break School is presented by the Lazarin Law Firm. Dan Lazarin has founded the Lazarin Law Firm to provide legal representation to individuals who have been injured or arrested in the greater Houston area. Dan Lazarin understands that bad things sometimes happen to good people. Worse, false allegations are also made every day. With offices in Houston and Sugar Land, Dan is equipped to handle your legal needs in Harris County and surrounding areas, including Fort Bend County, Texas. If you have been injured or find yourself in any other legal trouble, call the Lazarin Law Firm. That's 281-720-8551. Or visit Dan online at www.lazarinlawfirm.com for consultation. Thank you for our also our secondary sponsors for today, Star Pizza with multiple locations in Houston area. The best pizza to go or to stop before or after the game. As we begin to wrap things up, day on again, following Houston's 25-24 to comeback win in overtime over the Baylor Bears. Um, because it's Houston, we knew it had to, had to have some type of drama at the end, some type of headache. Um, even though the it, it seemed again for the most part that the Houston Cougars had it seemed like they had dominated. Uh, there's a comment that from Quezzo Taylor talking about Dana Holger. We 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 can uh, you know that's a great point because it was a hot topic this week yeah. in terms of Dana Holgerson's comments, and it was a hot topic in our uh, group chat down. And I'll I'll reiterate what I said in that chat and I think we we're kind of in the same wavelength a little bit when it comes to high school recruiting and a perfect world is that the low recruiting class are you happy with it no but what I will say about Dana Holgerson and and what's been true for him since he took over at Houston he's done a lot of his big recruits his top recruits out of the transfer portal and that's something that that still has yet to be factored now how low the class currently is obviously that's not where anyone wants it to be but they're still they're not done recruiting i think the overwhelming majority of the recruits are going to come from that transfer portal and again think back to guys like tank dell um guys over the course of his tenure here that have just been able to grow and and just make plays going back even to the 2021 season um with guys like marcus jones 
that's where Dana Horgerson has been able to make his bread and butter since he was with the University of Houston, since he took over the University of Houston program. And to your point, Andy, recruiting has changed. I mean, you no longer really have to rely on high school recruits as much. And so with that being said, the transfer, the transfer portal recruiting is part of recruiting nowadays. And to his credit, he has done a good job of doing that. And also in last year's well, – well, this year's recruiting class, who is freshman now, but um, in regards to the, how recruiting works last year's class, he put together a good class. Got a lot of um, highly recruited kids out of the Houston area and uh, receivers and, and a couple of other positions. And also – and so I, I think that's overstated. I think looking at the numbers, because you got schools like Texas A&M, Clemson, who are top five, top ten every single year, but over the last couple of years they haven't equated to wins. And so I think those um, numbers can be misled in regards to recruiting rankings. I, I definitely do think that um, he should and recruit the Houston area. Has he done well, but still do that more well because you got a five-star quarterback who's um, in Houston right now who's not committed to the University of Houston. And regardless of the overall recruiting, those top guys, you are, you want to keep those home. And so overall, I, I get with the gist of what people are saying, but I, I think um, it's a bit overstated. I mean, just even look at the makeup of this year's team currently, Donovan Smith transfer from Tech. Um, Tony Mathis, who made a big play in today's game, transferred from Texas Tech, even on the defense. Sam um, Brown transferred. Yes, Samuel Brown as well. Going back to the defense, David Aguebu, I always, we always butcher his name, but he transferred out of Oklahoma, thinking back to Malik Fleming out of ECU. That's where Dana Holgerson really prioritizes um, when it comes to his recruiting class. So Again, take it – it's it's a part of the puzzle, but it's just that, a part. It's not all of it. So, again, in a perfect world, is should the recruiting class be as low? Should we be – should, as a fan, sh- you can see why they'd be frustrated with how low the recruiting class is, but it always seems like Overson prioritizes transfer recruits over the traditional freshman recruits, certainly in his time in Houston. He has, and oftentimes some of those transfer reporter guys come with experience. They've been able to, whether if they haven't played, they've been able to have that offseason in a college um, offseason. And so they have that experience to kind of be able to know what it's like. And But I, I still, the other side of what people are saying, that you still have to recruit the Houston and Texas area to kind of say that you're, you, I don't really say he said that he's done recruiting because we know he's not done recruiting, but it was like the ship has said on this year's class. So I, I understand that logic of it, and I don't want to make it as if. Well, you want to have like a, like a farm system, even if you're bringing yeah, a freshman. Right, right, they're not going right. to play right away. You still want right. to bring in transfers, of course, but mm-hmm. the transfers are getting bulk of the minutes. You have a good freshman recruiting class that could be learning behind those transfers, behind those in the college world veterans, uh, even right. though they're still relatively young. And that way, you know, a year or two later, they are ready to step in and you can start that process over again. And it's much more sustainable rather than trying to you know, have a bad freshman recruiting class year in and year out. No, I agree. I agree for sure. I agree for sure. Well, yeah. when it comes 
I'll go yep, ahead. Go ahead, now, I was just looking at this comment, and he's been able to get some recruits from Shadow Creek. Um, AJ Halsey, who tra- another transfer portal guy, and um, there's a couple other guys who transfer with some of these powerhouses high school. And so, um, like the, the staff has said, maybe for whatever reason you couldn't get some of these guys and they're initially coming out of high school, but it's part of continuous recruiting. It's recruiting them, like, hey, come back home. Now they're in the Big 12. And so just to his credit, he's been able to, like you said, be successful in recruiting transfer Porter players. And so I think he has to consistently um, do that, but as well as get those young freshmen out of high school and develop them, like you just said, Andy. I was going to say, kind of focusing back on this game, in particular, Houston picks up its fourth win of the season, improved the record to four and five. The Baylor Brass dropped to three and six. The Cougars now um, two and four in conference play against Big 12 opponents. This was their first road game for the Houston Cougars. This season, their first road win for the Houston Cougars. Looking ahead, Cincinnati, it has been the program that I think, you know, subjectively you can make the argument that they've been the worst team out of the the group of five that has made the jump certainly when it comes to the american athletic conference out of ucf houston and since he themselves they're the one that struggled the most and as expected they lost coach luke fickle um that's the opponent next week what do you expect to see from the cougars like we touched on when chris was on homecoming for u of h is a game that houston's going to be favored and you expect them to take care of business it's been a while since Houston has found themselves in a position like this. I think go going back to the Sam Houston game when Houston found themselves in a similar situation. So it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. But the opportunity is right in front of them. I mean, Cincinnati, not only first in the conference, but they lost their head coach. And so uh, they're trying to rebound back in regards to losing Frickle to Wisconsin. So um, back to Miles' question, I think against Cincinnati, where they are currently in this season, I think there has to be a must win. At home, it has to be a good showing, a good sighting, and Houston has to come out and, and win that game. It'll be interesting, a great opportunity that the Houston Cougars have, again, at home. And I'm trying to see if the final score between UCF, UCF defeated Cincinnati 28-26. Yeah. to 26, So the Bearcats have fallen to 2-7. and seven. They're still winless in conference play. So that's going to be a, a limping Bearcats team. And honestly, it's going to be a chance for some revenge, some payback for the Houston Cougars mm-hmm. after the last few meetings um, in the American Athletic Conference that the Cincinnati Bearcats were in a different position, again, under a different coach in Luke Fickle. Um, time to get some a payback, especially after the last few meetings um, where, quite frankly, the Bearcats were the better team, and, and they they showed it when they played on the gridiron. Uh, but I think most importantly for Houston, when you look at it, one, the defense, can they build from, again, can they shake off the last few minutes of this game in that overtime performance and build on what they did for the most part? Because I think it's not an understatement to say how dominating it was. Now, they were aided a couple of times when it came to some special teams calls and even some some questionable calls by Dave Aranda. And, and to, to Chris's comment, I'm, it's looking like Baylor. I wouldn't be surprised if Baylor has a coaching change by the end of the season. But they did a good job tackling being able to limit chunk plays that had really plagued them yeah, um, for sure. against the likes, especially early on in the season in the conference play against TCU and Texas Tech and even against Kansas State. 
they did a good job at holding short place to short place. And that's something that they're going to have to do against Cincinnati. Make them, when they throw it short of the sticks, make the plays. Don't give them a chunk place that's giving them momentum, especially at home. You want to build a lead. And certainly for the offense, they got to be able to score more than seven points um, through three quarters to help that defense out and put them in a better position. It's been a while since Houston just had a, a cruise control win. And again, they have the opportunity to do that. No game is guaranteed. It's hard to win a game, but they have the opportunity in front of them next week. They definitely do. And that was something I was watching during that game and was thinking about. Houston uh, uh, was able to limit explosive plays, big plays against Baylor. I don't, I mean, like you said, by wrapping up and just being in the right spot and making tackles is something that plagued them all year. And so if they can do that against Cincinnati and Donovan Smith and cut out, cut out those turnovers, I think they can put up even more points. And so um, he's looked better and better, ran the ball a lot more today than he have, um, I think, in any game so far this season, 17 carries. Some of those weren't designed, but he carried the football and ended up ending the game on, on the carry on a QB draw. And so, uh, I like what I see in regards to Donovan Smith, him going in the system, being decisive in his throws and being able to get the ball in the playmaker's hands. And also, with Man Jack um, out, um, got to give credit to uh, what's the receiver's name? Dalton Carnes, who stepped up today. Oh, his, the walk on. Yes. Yeah, the walk on. Now, a scholarship player. He had some big catches today uh, and made a couple of big plays. And so. I think I think Houston's um, in a good spot, and they have the ability to take that next step if all things go in their favor going forward with recruiting and putting it all together and coaching and all that type of stuff. Absolutely, we cannot have too much Dalton love. And again, kudos to him for for being he's going to be a scholarship player next season, and he's definitely earned it. Every time he makes a catch um, throughout this season, it always seemed like it's been at a crucial moment, and he did so in this game um, against Baylor as well when Houston was able to respond to the time field going and score that touchdown um, to put them up 17 to 10 late in that game. Uh, but that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode of Let's Rage Coups presented by the Saxonian family. Once again, we'd like to thank each and every single one of you guys that took the time out of your days to uh, join us and talk about the Houston Cougars' 25-24 victory over the Baylor Bears. Again, the Cougars improved to 4-5. and five. They're now 2-4 and four against Big 12 opponents. My name is Andy Anas. People can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Anas underscore 5. And most importantly, be sure to hit the subscribe button if you're watching on the Potsdam Jamma YouTube channel or if you're watching us on uh, the Houston Rambar Review YouTube channel or on any of our audio-only platforms. We truly appreciate it, and we'll see you next week for Cincinnati, Dan. Toss it over to you, sir. Of course, like Andy just said, appreciate everyone for joining us. All the continuous support. Houston got enough to victory. You can follow me on all social media platforms like it shows on the screen at Dayon Dunlap. Thank all the supporters. Thank Texas Football Channel for the tip during um, this episode of Let's Race Cooks. Basketball season starts Monday. Got a special interview dropping um, soon, so stay tuned with Kellen Simpson for the men's basketball program. Talk to a lot with him, and so thank you all for joining us. Always go Cougs.